morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyke, And uh, we're hoping for another busy day. Sunny, great day to get out in the garden. If you have any questions, you can give us a call or text at one 332 8255 Good morning, guys. How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. Such a beautiful day. Yeah, it's uh, and it's a little cooler. So, you know, if you're out in the garden, you can, you know, spend a little longer out there probably. Yeah, in Saskatoon, <laughs> the smoke has lifted a little bit this morning. Yep. I know that um, some places west of Saskatoon, I know it was quite thick. Yeah. Up north, it was getting a little bit thick when I was there. I was in Meadow Lake this past week. Um, such beautiful country. I've never seen lakes so clear as up in Meadow Lake Provincial Park. It was, it was just gorgeous. Yeah, I really and it was warm it. up there. It was way warmer than it, it was, was really in warm. It was 25 to 30 degrees every day. Oh, wow. And, yeah. uh, we were a little cool. Uh, not cool, but yeah. cooler. It's, it's <laughs> funny. It was, it was warmer up north yeah. than it was further south. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Not a bad deal. Stunning. Stunning countryside up there. And like I said, the, lakes, the lake is deep, and you said that you could see... Wherever oh. you swam, it looked like turquoise, looked like the Caribbean, some of the water, you said. <laughs> it sure did, yeah. You'd go paddling and you could see the rocks right at the bottom in the middle of the, the middle of the lake. It was, it was beautiful. Sometimes you don't have to go that far to find like very just beautiful, stunning places. Saskatchewan seems to have a little bit yeah. of everything. You go yeah. around the corner, you're like, what's this? <laughs> what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Linda coming on the line here uh, from Broken, Brokenville. Uh, good morning, Linda. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi, how are you? Very good. Uh, I have a lily bed, and it's been beautiful for 20 years. But these last few years, I planted over 51 lilies, 41 last year, and a third came up. The rest came just a little above the soil. Some grew eight inches, turned yellow, and died. Everything's dying. You may want to um, dig a few of them up and look at the bulbs. Um, it, you might be getting a uh, rot or a fungus in the bulbs and they might okay. be doing it that way. So um, I would always start with your what's happening in the soil and the root structure first. Yeah, especially in the bulbs. Um, okay. That's that's important thing, especially if you're seeing it come up and do it right away and you're not noticing anything happening to the leaves or defor- deformation of the buds or anything like oh, that. Oh yeah, there's lots of deformation of the buds. Because then the only other thing that you could have is you might have a virus too. So okay, with, in with, the ground. With anything like that um, when it's affecting your whole crop best to take a sample or take some pictures and send them in um, to us at the garden center or, okay. you, or you can even go to do the university line to um, uh, gardening.usas.ca you can go to their website and you can send some stuff into the university too yeah. and they can have a look at those um, those plants and just just give you the best advice because it's different if you're treating a fungus or if you're treating a virus so. okay Okay. Got that. Okay, my onions, these little black bugs are eating all the roots. How do I get rid of them? That's a tough one. Um, you basically make sure that you plant in a different location every year is important. Yeah. And then also make sure that you uh, you cover your onions um, early. Okay. Like you right when you plant them, yeah. put a crop cover over top of them. Okay. Okay, and you have to bury the soil. You know, So you have to plant in a different location for sure, otherwise it'll come up underneath your oh, crop yeah. cover. And then you put the crop cover over top, and then um, um, and then what you do then is you can um, uh, leave the crop cover on. If you leave little arches or something like that, or some sticks to hold it up off the ground, yeah. you can leave it there for quite a while. Then the flies will come out. You know, when the dandelions first come out in the spring, yeah. and they'll fly around, and then what will happen is they'll be waiting for the onions to come up. 
Okay. And so if you can get past that, you'll, you'll, then the goal of the flies will take off and go somewhere else, right? Okay. Uh, but yeah. the other thing you can do too is when you plant your bulbs, your yeah. little bulblets or whatever you're doing, however you're doing it, put some diatomaceous earth in the soil with them. Diatomaceous earth, yep. okay. Okay. Will do. One more is mm-hmm. when your orchids finish blooming, what do I do now? Um, you'll take that stem that, that it, the bloom was on and wait for it to turn a little bit brown or yellow. Okay. Once it does that, you can follow the stem down to the base and you'll see a little node on there. Cut yeah. it right above that node and then uh, keep fertilizing it and watering it as usual and okay. you'll start getting another shoot out. But wait till okay. it turns brown because sometimes one little new stick will come off the side of it and okay. you'll have some more. So Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. That's what I needed to know. Good. All right. Thank thanks you. for your call, Linda. Okay. Have a good day. You, you too. too. Bye-bye. Bye now. One-stop shop, lots of questions. It's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. The, the one thing with the orchid that I should mention, too, is um, once it's finished blooming, it, that's the best time to transplant the orchid, too. Okay. So usually it's planted in a bunch of moss um, when, when you get it from the store. Um, that's more for transportation. So you want to go to your garden center and get some orchid media and then retransplant it into orchid media, which is a little bit more bark-based. Right. Um, one thing I want to talk about before we go to break here... Mm-hmm. Is that I've, I've, you hear reports of a lot of grasshoppers yes. starting to take over, you know, gardens and of course crop, crops and everything yeah. else. I want people to call in and say what their home remedy is for taking care of grasshoppers. Yeah, there's been a ton of that. We've been yeah. getting lots of calls in the newsroom about so, just the terrible grasshoppers yeah. so, this year. So if you got a if you got a home remedy to, to to share with everybody, call in and tell us about how you take care of grasshoppers in your yard. Yeah, okay. I think that'll be uh, something that everybody's probably yep. looking to yeah. get a little bit of advice on. Interested <laughs> with grasshoppers and the maple yep. bugs. We love to hear about home there was, remedies. There was a maple guys. bug sitting on the table on our deck yesterday. Really? Already. Already. Jeez. <laughs> Can't get rid of them. Be fun. <laughs> uh, if you have any questions or some tips for us today, you can give us a call. one 332 uh, We have time for probably a text or two, so we'll go to the uh, text line here. This one is from Richard in Sask Landing. What's the recommended fertilizer for wild grass or seeded grass? You've mentioned fertilizer from Saskatoon before, but I can't remember the name of it. It's called Groundskeeper. Groundskeeper, it, it, the reason I like it for, because especially you can use it, it three times a year if you want to, at least spring, summer, and fall, because it's only a 16 nitrogen. Mm-hmm. But the, the trick is it, it has, it's, there's one that has a 10 phosphorus and one that has a zero phosphorus. So you can decide in the summertime, you, you may want to go to the zero phosphorus because you put some phosphorus in the spring and the fall if you want. And then there's potassium, is, there's a three in the number. And then, but the key for a lot of areas around Saskatchewan, not every place, okay? The key is the next number, the fourth number, which is 17. And the 17, it's, that's why it's made in Saskatchewan. It's made for a lot of our soils because it's a sulfur. And so a lot of our soils are, when you, our, our pH is a little bit higher. Okay. Like I said, not everywhere. I mean, there's places up north that are, the pH is that high, and there's places down south where the pH is not that high, and you, you don't really need the sulfur. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but the sulfur, and then there's num- number three, the, the fifth number, which is iron. And so the, the, all those combinations just make, uh, for our soils, make your lawn just grow like crazy. You don't need a 30 nitrogen like a lot of the Scotsons fertilizers yeah. or CIL fertilizers have. You don't need that. But, uh, but if you use that one, and uh, one thing nice about it is you don't have to buy all these different fertilizers for the different times of year. You can use the same one all three times. 
a made in Saskatchewan solution called Maidens, Groundskeeper. Groundskeeper. Yeah, and they also make a grass seed now, yep. um, a Groundskeeper grass seed, and it's got a mixture of fertilizer and the grass seed in it. Yeah, and just mulch nut, and mm-hmm. so it, it germ- it's coated so it germinates quicker. If you have a question for the team, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven. 332-8255. We were talking a little bit before the break about grasshoppers, and I think we inspired Ron. We have uh, Ron on the line now. Good morning, Ron. What's your uh, question, comment for Rick well, and Jill? I've got a had a grasshopper problem here since the spring, and uh, I tried the old grind up a head and a half of garlic and steep it in a gallon of water and spray that on it. That slowed up down a smidgen. Even put cayenne in. Well, they seem to go for texture of stuff, like when the cucumbers pop up and those two leaves are there. Yep. Oh, my God, that is like <laughs> steak and caviar to them. <laughs> Lobster and shrimp all in one platter one there. Platter. Uh, I had a roll, a nice roll, on the second planting. Uh, going out, um, later in the afternoon, just stems. Oh. But there was one left with two leaves, coated it red with cayenne pepper. Did absolutely nothing. They just plowed through it like, oh, put put that on everything. Well, everybody everybody's into spicy stuff now, right? <laughs> but I I think what screws them up is smell, because I the only thing I found that really keeps them at bay somewhat is uh, cinnamon. Hmm. Okay, sprinkle cinnamon on. I just unveiled my rig of a third planting of cucumbers yesterday yep. after uh, from a roll cover and. Uh, wetted it, put cinnamon, they're not eating it. So, and, so you're uh, putting it right on the plants? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and uh, what are you, are you putting it straight up, or what are you mixing? You wet, you missed your leaves with sticks, obviously. Yeah, I just uh, got a little um, shaker, you know, yep. from Dollarama yep. or wherever, yep. and yep. Uh, sprinkle the, the liquid powder on there when the leaves are moist with sticks. Okay. And then... Uh, also works on ants. Like if you get a spot with a ant hill in your garden or lawn or wherever, just sprinkle cinnamon on. You go there three or four hours later, no ants. Perfect. They hate it. They hate it. There you go. Interesting. All right. That's awesome. Thank you very much for your call. Cinnamon. Good one. Good. Thanks, Ron. Goodbye. Okay, Bye now. Who would have thought? Yep. Just got to change up the seasoning, I guess. Yep. <laughs> Make some cinnamon buns and go into your yard. Yeah. No cayenne this year. No it's cayenne. all about cinnamon. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have a few texts here that we can get to. Um, this one is from Norman in Candle Lake. Two problems with moss. I've got moss growing on the shingles of our garage. Uh, I've got a zinc strip on the top already. No yep. avail. Uh, my neighbor's got moss growing on his lawn. Uh, he's also tried a product called Moss Out, and again, no success. Do you have any other ideas? Mm, yeah, because Moss Out, there is something like Moss Out usually works pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing you need to do is, um, it, especially in the grass, um, the, the best thing to do is just plant a different variety of grass. Okay. Because those areas usually means that you're a bit more shady and a bit more wet. So the one thing about it is that make sure you have a different zone on your watering. Obviously, then some people have the shade, sun areas and the shade areas have in the same zone. So they get the same amount of water. And so they take different types of water. So if you can separate those, then you can put less water in the shade areas. And then you can also plant a, a more of a shade grass blend which it, then it'll all compete the moss. It'll basically choke it out, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, the, the, that's the big one. And then also just making sure that you aerate that area as well. You know, get some oxygen into the soil and it sort of dries out the top part of the soil a bit. Okay. And then the moss won't grow there as well. Uh, that's probably the best one. Now on the shingles, I'm not 
sure that, uh, like I said, there's there's a bunch of products you have out there that are that are supposed to work, mm-hmm. and they all basically do the same thing as this strip, you know, that he does on on the roof. And uh, but other than that, I'm not a great expert on the roof part of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's um, um, home remedies for that too. Yeah. You know, maybe somebody who's listening. <laughs> yeah, saying, someone might way, know. This is the way I take care of it and it works the best. Mm-hmm. So give us a call and let's help this person out. Yeah. Um, and you can do that by dialing one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. A couple more texts here on the line. Uh, this one coming from Kathy. What type of shrub is best to plant in sandy soil that will grow tall as a border between ourselves and our neighbor? Uh, something that's easy to care for if possible and colorful. They're in the Turtle Lake area. Okay. Probably the, what I did in my sandy area is pure sand, 70 feet down pure sand, is I planted a, a, a minuet lilac. Okay. And that one grew right now, they grow about 8 to 12 feet tall. And they're more narrow, more upright, so they don't take up a lot of space and they give a great screen. But the, the one thing that you have to remember is when you're getting them established, make have, sure you have irrigate them yeah. because you need that moisture yeah, to get I, them going. I have a drip system on mine. Yeah. Because cool. it's pure sand. If so. you just plant it in the sand and you're like, yeah. and good luck, it, it's not going to work. And then so. I, I mulched them as well. Yes. I mulched them and put a drip system in it. And, and you're putting about four inches of mulch and not right up against the base of the tree, yeah. but okay. just around the tree. And then that will help retain the moisture yeah. as well. Kept the weeds down too mm-hmm. and kept the moisture there. That's probably for the, for a drought area. That's probably the, the one of the best ones to put there is, is uh, a variety of lilac. Okay. Another one is is called uh, a dwarf Korean or Myers lilac too. Grows a little bit shorter, about six by six. Tons of little miniature flowers. Like, like if you're allergic to, to flowers and lilacs, don't, don't put a Myers lilac on because it's very. <laughs> That's fragrant. not the one. It's very <laughs> fragrant. There's so many flowers. And then you can trim it like a hedge. You can do all kinds of things with it. So um, that's another one that does. So I'd say if you want more uh, taller, uh, the minuet lilac, or if you want more shorter and very thick and full, uh, the dwarf cream or Myers and the lilac is another name for it. Which of the lilacs is the one that suckers that you don't, that you want to stay away from? That's a French lilac. The French lilac. Yeah, they, they'll tend to keep spreading and spreading like a Charles Jolly or Madame Lemoyne or. So if you yeah. want it to stay contained, stay away from the French lilacs. Yep. Very oh. fragrant. The French lilacs are most fragrant lilacs mm. of all, but I mean, they do spread. Like if you have a large acreage space yep. or something like that, those are great. great. But um, in the city or any places where yep. you're wanting to contain it away from your lawn, I would stay away from those. Yep. Okay. So a couple different options there. And the ones I talked about before, the Dwarf Korean and the, and the Minuet, they're non-suckering. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, this one coming from Jerry in Stockholm. Uh, I added cedar mulch to my raised garden bed. Uh, now the pH is high. How can I lower it? It's funny that it's high because cedar mulch will usually lower the pH. So that may, that maybe is what the, was their meaning that it's more more acidic now. Is that? But we, no, it's, it's, not it's high. So yeah. so if it's high, mm-hmm. if it's high, then you need to add aluminum sulfate or sulfur. Okay. okay? If it's if it's if it's no. yeah, if it's high, if it's too low, then you add, add lime. Okay. Okay. And usually, usually uh, cedar mulch will help lower it a little bit, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot of cedar mulch to, to lower it a lot. A lot. Of so, mulch. so uh, if they're if they're high, if if it's that high, it wasn't attributed to the mulch. Okay, it was maybe okay? there before. It was probably there before. So you just need to add aluminum sulfate or sul- or sulfur. All right. Um, this one is coming from William in Regina. I have early girl tomatoes. Uh, they planted and are many are the size of apples, but they're not ripening. I also have red tomatoes by this time, or I usually have red tomatoes this time of year. Is there anything I can do to help? Um, well, the earlier girl tomatoes, we are finding that we, um, we are having 
I'm getting this question a lot where okay. some tomatoes are not ripening as quick as they were. I think it's just due to the fact that we had the temperature fluctuations yeah. early on in the season and things were delayed a little bit. We had, uh, maybe you planted your plants and we had those cold spells and it set the plants back a little mm-hmm. bit. So that's all it is. Early girl is a great variety. You can get a bush early girl, which is a determinant and then early girl, which is an indeterminate variety. Okay. Um, they both produce around like 68 to 70 days. So, I mean, you're going to be starting to get some fruit off of them right away. As soon as you start seeing them turn red, you can take them off the vine and ripen them off the vine as well okay. too. So um, I think it's just patience on this one. Just making sure that you didn't change locations either and make sure there's in a nice sunny spot. That's the big one. Watering consistency is the most important thing right yep. now when you have the fruit on your, your plants. If you are going away for any period of time make, and you have that fruit on your plants, make sure you put a watering system with a timer in there or get a neighbor to water. That's just like so, so key right now. And then if you also have a watering system in a garden like that, you can also get a, 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 a rain sensor. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it rains, you're not yeah, you're watering, not double, even triple, not watering. triple watering. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, we haven't had rain in too many areas, but yeah. if you do have a, you know, area where it puts the rain sensor, then, you know, when it needs water. And if it is rainy, you don't want your sprinklers turning on. And then yeah. adding your fertilizer, like an organic fertilizer, is perfect with added calcium, and that will help prevent that blossom and rot because that's when you'll start seeing it too when that fruit is starting to form. Yep. Perfect. Um, I think we have time for one more before we go to break. Um, some of my raspberries grow very high, over six feet. Can I cut them back and still get fruit next year? That's from Ken in Saskatoon. Yeah, you can cut them back. That's not a problem. Um, a lot of people do cut them back. I've, I've cut mine back to that tall, you know, in in almost in half, you know, mm-hmm. or if you're worried about being that tall, uh, what they do, and if you go to a lot of the uh, the, um, the the market gardens or the farmers that, mm-hmm. that grow them, they actually have posts, fence posts with wires, and they actually hold them up so they don't be falling down yeah. on the ground, right? And so then you just get more raspberries that way, right? So um, And but, remember to thin out your raspberry canes every once in a while, yeah, too. Absolutely. So you can cut them down, but don't just cut it, go into the bottoms and thin them out and get rid of some of those older canes. Get rid too. of the third-year canes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leave the, leave the second-year canes because that's the one that's, the one that's going to produce for you next year. Okay. So that's important when if you worry about pruning them down is that the ones that are producing right now or once per last year, they're the ones that you can do whatever you want with it. Uh, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Lots of texts on the line here that we can uh, start going through. Uh, this one is coming from Jean in Regina. Um, what type of fertilizer do you recommend for rhubarb? And how late in the year uh, do you recommend us picking rhubarb? My patch is long and wide. Uh, and it appears to be growing out of the ground. The stalks are nice red and healthy, however, small in size. Well, I've heard that a lot from this year. Yeah. So I think they took a little bit of damage from last winter, um, just just the way the, the different winter was and everything else. But uh, because even mine is growing shorter. Yeah. And so it's just, uh, I think it was just, like I said, it had to do with the winter. But if you're using... Uh, uh, any, Rhubarb likes nitrogen-rich soil. Yeah, nitrogen-rich soil, but also just use... Um, you, so use a compost around them if you want. You can use a, a vegetable type of fertilizer because they also like having all those little micronutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, but a lot of times, I mean, you'll see rhubarb in an old farmyard 
that has nothing but other than grass growing around them yeah. and just natural compost growing around them. And it's quite amazing what they do. Just make sure you don't overwater them. Yeah, I was okay. going to say a right? lot of times people are over caring for their rhubarb. Yep. Like she, like Rick said, like you can see them growing in an old farmer's field and they're just thriving off of the water that comes from the sky. So a lot of times in our gardens, we're overfeeding them or we have them in a uh, raised bed with some nutrient rich soil or mm-hmm. some soilless mix that's holding too much moisture. And that's when we'll start seeing the stunting of the growth. Yep. And you'll see. You'll see some rot in the center of the of the of the, the, of the, of the root crown, you know. So, um, so yeah. So one thing to remember: if you got an old patches, probably about every four or five years, at least maybe five six years in that range, uh, you need to you know dig a, a piece off of off of one and, or dig one up and split it. Okay. You know, even if, if you got a long patch, take one portion of that patch, dig it up, split it, give some to your friends and family. Yep. Right. Plant one back again. Okay. Right, so quartered up, you know, into quarters, and then replant it again, and then you'll you'll rejuvenate your your patch, and uh, they'll they'll like that as well. So uh, so make sure you do that, and and you don't have to do the whole patch in one year, but just every year, it and you do it early in the spring. Okay. As soon as the frost is out of the ground in April, as early as you can get into the ground is the better. So if you can do it around the 15th of April, do it around the 15th of April. Now with fertilizing, remember rhubarb is a perennial. Um, just So just like any of your perennials, yep. you want to stop fertilizing your perennials like end of July, beginning of August, so they okay. can start shutting down for the winter. Absolutely. Too, so. Yep. so you, if you if you were going to fertilize, you'd want to do it pretty yeah, quick here. Pretty quick here yep. and then let it start shutting down for the winter. Don't continue to fertilize it like you would your annuals. But mm-hmm. you, for picking, she asked the question about picking. You can pick throughout the season, but as you get toward the end of the year, the plant has to put sugars back to the root again. So okay. you need to leave some of those leaves on there so that so that the, the it can it, die back it, down. It can bring the sun energy down to the back to the root, create sugars and put food back for it for the starting for the next year. So don't 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 take it all. Okay. <laughs> leave some leave for next year. Some, leave some leaves on there. <laughs> and then yeah. what you do in the fall is you can wait till those leaves kind of get hit by that frost. They turn a little bit to mush and then you can cut it back to the ground. Yep. Okay. Perfect. I'm pretty sure we have rhubarb in our alleyway, but <laughs> right now there's just, you can see the big leaves. I don't know whose yard they've come out of, but uh, it does make things look nicer, I guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually planted last, this last Wednesday, I, we planted in an in a acreage yard, we yeah. planted a few rhubarb. To be able to take plants, but actually for ornamental, to give, ornamental yeah. to give almost like an exotic look to the leaves. These great big leaves yeah. in part of their their perennial beds, and that so they look really nice. Yeah. <laughs> you can and even buy an ornamental rhubarb, and it's yeah. like got like huge, huge leaves on yeah. it too. So, hmm. but I like plants with a purpose, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, lots of pies coming lots out of, of those pies. rhubarb lots of plants. <laughs> apple, apple rhubarb crisp. Yes. Oh, so good. Um, this is a question from Mark in Bigger. Brand bait spread throughout the garden uh, works really great for grasshoppers. So I guess that uh, that's Bra- a good grasshopper. Brand bait. Tip. So, uh, brown wonder, bait. Yeah, brown, brown bait. bait. That's interesting. So uh, if you can, if you yeah. text back to us, if you can on that one, on that brand bait, uh, tell us where you're getting it from. Okay? Because I imagine if it's brand bait, it probably has an insecticide in it or something like that. So... Uh, give us the the name of it, and that or maybe just call brand bait. That'd be perfect. There's one called Eco Brand Bait. When I just yeah. looked it up, I know there's Eco Brand. I know that one. Yeah. So maybe that's the one they were using. Yeah, that and cinnamon, I guess, are the yeah. it's kind wheat of... brand infused with um, carbol. Yeah, hmm. it's carbol, so that's like seven. So that hmm. the problem with that is that you can only buy that agriculturally. Okay, you won't be able to buy that in a retail outlet. So so maybe if you're struggling with it on the farm, yep. it'd be a good a good yep. option. Good. Yep. 
Um, this one is uh, from Kelvin in the Morse area. This one is all about the lawn. Uh, how do you get rid of mushrooms? We've talked about this a couple times uh, a summer, usually. <laughs> mushrooms is, is interesting because mushrooms are feeding on something. Whether okay. a, a, an extra amount of, of in your lawn might be too much thatch in it. I have an old tree that was cut down yep. in a certain area of my yard, and I always get mushrooms in that area yep. under my grass. And, and it's because they're growing under, uh, on the decaying matter that's underneath my lawn, yeah, so the they're just going to keep something. coming up. But you can, um, by aerating a little bit in that area, keeping the moisture levels down, that will definitely help with that. Um, but the mushrooms are actually doing their job, and they're breaking breaking down things, That's, that's too, the best thing. So. If you don't mind the look of them, them, yeah. Just leave them there because they'll, they'll take away what they're feeding on quicker. Otherwise, what you can do also do is, like Jill was saying, is aerate the area, add a little bit of fertilizer, but add some compost accelerator, like we knew. Oh, use, okay. Because that'll help break down. Yeah, whatever they're feeding. Whatever they're of. feeding on quicker, because it's a dead root that they're feeding on. Yeah. Or a piece of plywood or a piece of old two by four that was there in a construction or something. Something that's buried. Yep. <laughs> um, maybe even some roots from some a neighborhood tree. Yep. They, yeah. they could yep. be feeding on that too. Yep. You never know. <laughs> um, this one is coming from Colin. Uh, we have a p- Ponten... Oh, wow. This, there we go. Potentilla. <laughs> For some reason, that's one of the ones that always... Potentillas are making a comeback right they now are, in the there's garden. More co- there's more colors available now. So When I was a kid, so many years ago, 40 years ago, I remember we used to take so many cuttings of those plants. We'd go to the farm, Rick and I, dad and I, and we'd take cuttings and we'd plant hundreds and thousands of potentillas. And then every year it'd be less and less, less and, and less. less and less and less. Because it's just yellow. They're yeah. just yellow. And now yep. they're coming up with some beautiful like apricot colors yeah, and well, pinks. And I planted one oh, in the yard. So and, but my wife says, well, don't plant potentillas. And, my, and so I planted one in the yard and all of a sudden, just this, this is last week. She yep. says, what's that? What's that kind of potent tango you have in the corner there? <laughs> and so she made me bring home six more. So it was a mango tango. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful type of a, a flower and it blooms like profusely all summer long. I, I think that they're like the, the calabacoa of the shrub, like yeah. the million bells of the shrub. Like they, they're beautiful. And there's a whole bunch of new varieties out there that are actually putting some more color rather than this straight yellow. What was his question about? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's one of those ones that's spelt exactly the way it looks. And I, every time I have a hard time with it, they're saying they're looking to dig them up to spread them out. So is there a good time to separate them? In the spring. Okay. Yeah. So I have to wait you a little bit. You can do it in the fall too. Once the leaves fall off. Uh, but then you, the best thing to do is to water them in well and then even mulch them a bit for the first winter. Okay. But if you do it in this first thing this spring, like, like er, earlier the better. So. And when you're doing a root division with a potentilla, are they, it's, are, can you do it like a shrub or, cause they're you, not they, like a perennial where you can do that as much? They, they can a little bit. You can basically take the root and I, I used to do this all the time in, in the fields and, and we used to dig them up and grow them in the fields. Cause now I grow them in pots. So we don't worry about that. But mm-hmm. I used to grow them in the fields. We used to dig them up and, Used to put one foot on one branch and <laughs> half of the plant and just pull and, and rip them apart. And then okay. as long as you have, even if the stem ripped in half, as long as you have some roots on either side, they would grow like crazy. So it's not one that you're worried about, like you only want to take a third off of the plant at a time. You can separate it as you long as there's some it. roots. Yep. Going Absolutely. in um, to get that plant like to a nice like three gallon size, like a like a potted plant. How how many years would that take? Uh, from from. Just basically, a lot of times by the end of that first summer, they're going to be a pretty wow. good size okay. already. Awesome. Perfect. So. <laughs> Sounds like uh, you don't have to be too gentle with them. Nope. And do nope. lots of pruning on them too and oh, yeah. get them thicker and fuller. And every third or fourth year, cut them down to the ground and let them come back again. 
That's the, that's the big one is that just... You do that with aspirias almost. Aspirias as well, every third or fourth, or if you want to do it every fifth year, then you don't get this big rat nest of all these dead and just flowers at the top. Yeah. If you do that, then you get a little less flowers that first year, then tons of flowers the second year when you rejuvenate it. You can give us a call or a text at one 332 8255 A bit of a break uh, in the questions for now, so it's a good time to get that call in. Uh, we have a lot going on in the uh, Regina store we were kind of talking about a little bit but uh, in the break uh can you tell us what's going on yeah well one of the things that we do get is uh, my aunt karen um from dutch cross regina one of the mm-hmm. owners there she sends us an email every week and kind of updates us on what's happening down south because saskatoon and regina even though we're only like two and a half hours yeah. three hours away from each other we have a few different things going on so um updates from her today from <laughs> regina um she says that they're still seeing a lot of bug and diseases just like we are yeah. in mm-hmm. saskatoon um Everything from slugs to caterpillars. Um, and then they're also seeing rust and uh, black spots on their trees. So hmm. that's that's something that you can combat with. Um, yeah, if it's rust, or, rust in that, you can just combat it with Bordeaux or a copper spray. That one works really good, especially some people are saying that there's... I didn't get as much this year with the Saskatoons. Okay. Um, uh, but some some years you get them bad with Saskatoons. Some years you get them bad with uh, with flowering crabs and those kind of things. But uh, normally that's in wet years. We see that problem. But uh, but there is sometimes a black spot, on, especially if you're watering over top of your leaves with irrigation. Oh, okay. And then the most important thing is don't water at nighttime. There's a lot more older yards in Regina area, just like some yeah. of the older neighborhoods here. So they get a lot of problems with slugs too. So oh, yeah. slugs are an issue. You can use slug plate to, to, to go out there or you can go out with your headlamp and put some beer, can, beer pie plates of beer out and co- collect them as well too. Um, another thing that she did mention is annuals. People are calling in saying their annuals aren't thriving as much as they were um, early on in the season. So one thing to remember, please, 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 you're watering more often. So to get them to push through right to September, what you need to do is you need to fertilize and up yep. your fertilizer. You're watering them more often, so you need to fertilize. Yep. Um, another thing that's kind of cool that they did, if you have a chance to stop into the Dutch Growers Regina store, is they did a trial garden with some of the new um, flowers that we're going to be seeing over the next years, and uh, they might even eventually um, take some cut flowers off of that and start start doing some cut flower sales down there. But you can go down there and you can sort of see what uh, what the different trial gardens that they have down there of some of the new that's varieties. Cool. Um, of, of flowers that they've planted. I think they did some dried flower garden too, part mm-hmm. of their garden is too. Yeah, so, yep. so they, they've been doing some interesting things down there. They did a trial vegetable garden down there and uh, a trial um, flower garden. They've got quite a bit of space um, out in their new location mm-hmm. out in Regina. So check that out. I you can kind of see yep. sort of what it would look like maybe in your yard. Yeah, yep. see see how that plant grows mm-hmm. and uh, and how it might how it might look. Maybe some new varieties. Hey, I want to try that out next yeah. year. I walked into the back of even our garden center, back in the back back yes. type of thing, and back behind the containers, and I noticed the staff have a little trial garden going back there in little <laughs> trays and pots and everything else about yeah, this. I told I said you know what we're not going to throw out the vegetables this year we're going to start some mini um, mini gardens square, yeah. f- square foot gardens we're going to do some urban gardening behind the greenhouse this, for the staff to now be this able to harvest called, this is called urban urban gardening yeah. like yes. it's just in a gravel parking lot basically <laughs> yes and they've um, just taken those uh, garden bags they're four by four yeah. they filled them up with soil and then they've taken some nursery pots and filled those up with soil and the staff are growing some vegetables yeah, behind the 
greenhouse. Where did all these come from? <laughs> did we miss something? <laughs> he needs to read the staff mem- memos more often. <laughs> That's what we're learning. <laughs> uh, we have a caller waiting on the line. This is Brenda in Saskatoon. Hi, Brenda. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Um, my question this morning is um, I have some tomato plants. They're the Sweet 100 variety. Yes. And they're about five and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if I can clip them down if I will still get fruit off of them. You need to clip off the, the runners off the side. You don't want to clip off the top where the flowers are. But if you go down from the flower, there'll be a, a sort of a, a stem that comes between the, the main stem coming out, the leaves coming out the side, and then there will be a stem coming out. You want to prune and pinch those. If you want to look it up online, it's called pruning and pinching an indeterminate tomato. Oh, okay. um, and it will show you just kind of different directions and which, which vines to prune on those, but pruning and pinching will get you a lot more fruit production, but making sure that you trellis those ones too, or tie them up and stake them is, is really important as well too, so they're not flopping all over. Yeah, I've got them tied up. I yeah. have them, these leaves growing everywhere. But look that up. Um, it's called yeah. um, pruning and pinching an indeterminate tomato. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Brenda. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, we have a couple texts we can probably get to here before we take a break for news. Uh, this one coming from Judy in Musiman. Uh, preparing to sod this week. Should I fertilize with groundskeeper prior to top so- or prior on topsoil? And how often should I be watering and for how long? Yeah, water daily, sometimes mm-hmm. twice a day, especially in the heat. Okay. Um, uh, you can put your fertilizer down before or after. Doesn't matter. Okay. Either way. Like when I'm seeding, I. I put my seed down and I put my fertilizer down and then I go rake it all in when I'm seeding. So with a fertil with the with the um with the sod, yeah, either before or after really doesn't matter. You're, are you gonna burn the roots of the sod by putting the sod right on the no, right not, on the fertilizer? No, because then what I do no, you won't because it's it's only a sixteen nitrogen. Okay. No, I wouldn't put a thirty nitrogen down before so that's what you don't want to do. But you put the one, uh, the, the groundskeeper with uh, the, the 10 phosphorus. That's probably the most important part because there's one with zero. Okay. And the phosphorus helps the root system get established. Okay. Okay, so we'll use the one with the, that's the 1610. This is the second number. That's the one you want to use. And water, water, water. That's the most important part. Keep it moist and keep off of it, you know, because otherwise you're going to make these squishy footprints in it, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a matter just until, until it gets rooted. Uh, just stay off the grass as much as you can and, uh, and keep it moist. You don't have to keep it soaking wet, but yeah. just keep it moist. But you want to give it a good soaking first so that you get that, that four to six inches below the sod. Okay. Nice and wet as well. Uh, so that, you know, so that when the roots grow down, they're not just going to stay in that, you know, an inch or two below the sod. Yeah. Cause that's the problem. You might water enough to keep the sod wet, but you don't wet the soil below it. Okay. So that first wetting, that first couple waterings should be deep waterings. Okay. Those are kind of the, the way that you kick started, I kick guess. Kick started. And then after that, just, it will dry out deeper, but the roots will find them, they'll drive down deeper into the soil and you'll have a, a stronger, healthier, hardier for the wintertime grass. You can give us a call anytime at 1-877-332-8255. Uh, we have a few texts on the line here, but we would love to hear your voice if, uh, if you want to give us a call. Uh, this uh, text is coming from Lauren in Battleford. Uh, I have a Saskatoon berry bush this year. They've started to bury, but they're spiky and have fuzzy brown jackets on them. Is there a cure for this? Yeah, it's 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 a fungal. Okay. And so what you want to do is you want to. Sp- this year you're not going to do anything about that. Okay. Uh, you can, what you can spray them right now with Bordeaux just to stop it from 
it's copper spray, basically to stop it from spreading. Mm-hmm. Next year, after they finish blooming, you want to spray them every 10 days, three times. Okay. And then you'll stop that from happening. Is it going to affect the fruit at all? Yeah, um, well, it like does, this it's, year, all, but, it's all spiky. But next year, will it affect the fruit spraying no, it? No, okay. no, not at all. Not at all. And, uh, and, but what you can do right now is that those fruits that have the spiky, pick them still. Okay. And then get rid of them. So that it doesn't fall down to the ground, right? And oh, okay. then and, and then come back worse. up again next year, right? Yeah, and clean up like your clean up your, le- your leaves, leaves and everything else fall because the leaves will have some of that on as well. So just do as much. It's hard to get all the leaves of, on the sastoon, but get as much as you can. And then, like I said, next spring after not after flowering, you don't want to you want to spray during flowering because you can damage the blooms and mm-hmm. and stop the pollination. Uh, but um, but I'll definitely. Um, uh, give them spray every 10 days and then you'll clear that problem up. And when should you be pruning your blueberry plants? Blueberries and Saskatoons. Uh, basically, I like pruning them in either in the fall or early spring. Okay. Like early spring is when end, they're of, end of March, end of March, first two weeks of April. Okay. okay. All right. Um, this one's coming from Donna in Saskatoon. Our mock orange is out of control. Can we prune <laughs> it back quite a bit uh, at this time of year or do we need to wait? Um, if you prune it back, uh, you can best to wait if you're doing a major pruning and okay. then, then you're going to miss the flowers for one season. Okay? okay. So, I mean, you can cut them right back to the ground almost and they'll come back again. Uh, but like I said, just a matter of, and or we can just do is thin it out too, because you'll get a lot of mock oranges tend to every, every, when they get older, the branches in the centers kind of die out. So you can get, reach in and cut some of the old branches out and thin it out. So it's just not so out of control. And you can even just trim the sides up a bit. Just to keep them in control. You can do that every year. Okay. But if you want to do a major pruning, because they get so many, um, like little, almost like little suckers, not really suckers that go out, but just in the middle, mm-hmm. come up through, that they just become a big grass nest. And so every once in a while, just cut them down. For those of you who don't know what a mock orange is, if you're looking for a white, very fragrant yep. flowering plant, um, flowering tree or, or flowering shrub, more like mm-hmm. it, large shrub, yep. um, mock orange is a beautiful addition. And, to there, and there's some new varieties that are coming out now taken by a few different companies. One is called Proven Winners. Uh, the fragrance and, and the amount of flowers on them are just insane. So it's just, it's just the plants. I think are the hydrangea great. was, did, did a big comeback about yes. five years ago. Yep. And I think the mock orange is the next one yep. to come this back. This is the that, one. Yeah. That's it. We're, we're starting to come back even to the, like, even the, like we talked earlier about oh, the yeah. potentilla. The, the wild roses are really big yeah, right now. There's oh. different type of roses out there. There's different types of, uh, of spirea, the peonies, the, peonies, the all the different colors of peonies, yeah. even. Um, there's a zillion types of hostas out there. So there's all, lots of I, plants. Even in the annual world, like begonias are making a comeback. Geraniums are making a comeback. Like all these plants that were like my grandma's favorite. Yeah. They're coming back. All of a sudden it's like yeah. a little bit of the nostalgia and they're, maybe. They're, they're breeding them so they're, they're, they're a little bit tougher, more disease resistant yeah. and coming out with new, um, new colors and new, yeah. um, sizes of the flowers and mm-hmm. just making them just that much better. Yep. It's so really lots cool. of options for yeah, the older will, favorites. Really <laughs> that, cool. That's what happens though, because gardening is becoming so popular mm-hmm. across the world that these larger companies are, are putting the research and development into new varieties and new products. And so that's why even hydrangeas, like, I mean, we never had hydrangeas in Saskatchewan. Yeah. I planted out in my acreage, lots of hydrangeas and they're all, everybody's coming in. That's a hydrangea growing out here, you know. And I'm going, yeah, <laughs> surprise, here, surprise. <laughs> yeah. And um, and we never had that before, but it's because of breeding and and selecting and everything else mm-hmm. that we, 
the the our we're getting more plants and we just need to have more trees because in the prairies we're going to be in trouble especially when this emerald ash borer comes through yeah. so that's why I'll, I'll just touch on that just yeah. don't haul firewood around please don't <laughs> don't haul firewood if you're yeah. camping don't don't haul firewood from campground to campground because that's how the emerald ash borer is going to get here yeah it's not by itself no and uh and so once it gets here um it's going to decimate all our ash trees and we got we don't a have that many, we don't have that many trees. I mean, yeah. we have elms, we get ashes. <laughs> That's our two That's biggest kind of ones. <laughs> yeah. That's two big ones. I mean, we have lindens too and some maples, uh, but elms and ashes are two big ones. So, uh, in fact, just uh, was it last week uh, in Saskatoon, yeah. they found a couple more. Uh, there's a couple more plants in Sutherland area that yeah. had Dutch elm disease. And there's one in another area of Saskatoon. So the cities, they what they do then is what the the city once they find a tree that's diseased, then they take a quite a quite a big swath around that tree, yeah. and they go inspect everybody's yards to make sure you don't have elm firewood mm-hmm. stacked in a corner somewhere yeah, or no any way. other or other trees there that are there that that might have the disease as well. So they just want to eradicate it. So that's very important about elm trees is that you do not trim them from from April until until September, because what happens is they bleed when you cut them, and that attracts the elm beetle, and the elm beetle has the Dutch elm disease. Yeah. So that's the reason why it's illegal to prune an elm tree during the summertime. And so, and when you dispose of an elm wood, don't use it as firewood. It has to go to the landfill and get buried. It's very important. It can't go to the compost depot. It can't yeah. do any of that. Okay. So, but uh, but like back to our trees is mm-hmm. that there is new trees coming out all the time. They're they're trying to come up with new varieties. And uh, even even one like uh, the spring snow flowering crab, right? Mm-hmm. It's a flowering crab that has tons of white flowers because we used to have mayday trees, but they get blocked on a lot, right? Yeah. So here's a spring snow flowering crab that has tons of flowers but no fruit. Perfect. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> so, a lot of people, they don't like the, don't want the they fruit, don't want the fruit but, and it's all over the yard. But or they want the tree that flowers like crazy. Or they're coming yes. up with more columnar trees too. So yeah. it doesn't take up as much room in your yard so you can mm-hmm. enjoy a beauty of having some trees, but they're not going to take up some space in these urban, small urban yards yeah. that we yeah, have. Yeah, like, like the uh, the purple spire or the midnight spire. I planted flowering, four of those in my flowering yard. Flowering crabs. <laughs> columnar purple leaves that grow only two to three feet wide basically well, well i've seen some that are about three to f- maximum four feet i've seen some mm-hmm. uh but then just columnar and purple and then with the pinky purple flowers in the spring and so uh, pretty it's very pretty you can give us a call anytime at one 332 8255 we have a, cu- a couple of callers waiting on the line so we'll start off in prince albert with lorraine good morning lorraine what's your question for rick and jill today Yes, good morning. Um, I have a problem with my uh, hibiscus. Okay. It was root-bound, and I uh, repotted it up, took it out of the pot, and uh, put it in the soil and, in February and uh, and pruned it back a lot. And now I have uh, the leaves. It just looks like they're sawtooth around the edges of the leaves, and they shrink. And uh, just wondering, can you tell me what would be doing that? Because... Like, uh, an insect? Well, it, it could be a few things. It would be best if we could see the leaves um, and have have a look at them. It could be an insect. Are you seeing like that the leaves look almost dusty looking as well? Uh, no, they no. don't. But they shrink like they narrower and narrower, and and uh, it's just like the, the edges are all sawtooth. Did did you, when you when you transplanted? Did you move it to a different location in the house? Uh, no, I didn't. I've got it in the same location. Same. I keep it. Yeah. And, and how how many years old is this plant? 
It is quite old mm. because it was root bound and I, yeah, really badly root bound. And but how it's much all growing up, new, nice new growth? But uh, now it's got these. How much whatever. bigger of a pot did you put it in? How many inches bigger did you go? I went about uh, three inches. Yeah, so that's that, that's perfect that's that way. Perfect. Um, sometimes we find that if people go to a little bit too big of a pot, they add some extra soil in there, and then it, the plant stays too saturated. Because the plant won't do really well until the roots hit the outside of the pot again. Okay. Oh, yeah. And uh, so you, but you did that last February, so it must be getting pretty close to that. How much are you fertilizing? I um, probably maybe every couple of weeks. I I just give it liquid. Okay. That should be fine too. With uh, with the hibiscus plant, you might want to take it outside too, and just there's probably holes in the bottom of your pot. Just water uh-huh. it so that the water can come out the bottom of the pot too, okay? Uh-huh. And then that will le- leach any of the extra salts that might be sitting in that that soil as well. Um, uh-huh. With this one, uh, you might be best send me some pictures uh, info at dutchgrowers.com, and I can have a look at it and just maybe help identify what the more specific problems might be. Um, Mm -hmm. When we're seeing stuff happening to the leaves in the formation, it's best for us just to have a peek at the leaf first. Also what you may want to try to do also, get some alfalfa pellets as well, because you've Mm -hmm. been using liquid fertilizer, which is this NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, right? Mm -hmm. You want to put a bunch of the boron and calcium and everything, all those little micronutrients, a little like a vitamin bottle, like a one a day. And just uh-huh. just give it some more uh, some more of those other nutrients because that main ball is still there that is root bound, right? And so you've yeah. you've eaten up all the nutrients that are in that soil. So you need to add all the other nutrients other than just the nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. I do find that hibiscus thrive a lot more on the organic fertilizers than yep. the synthetics too. Yep. So and that uh, is the alfalfa pellet yep. tea. Yeah, or? you can make, you can make tea, or you can just put the pellets on top of the soil and water through them if you want. Either way. Okay. Okay. And about how many? Like how much? If if you if you ba- basically it's about I think it's about if you put if you're doing by the liter, you're gonna put it probably about, about three tablespoons per liter of water, mm-hmm. and then and then just let it sit overnight. Uh, I usually do. I I'm always making a five gallon pail, so it's two cups. Mm-hmm. It's two cups in a five gallon pail. <laughs> stir it up, and then I'm watering my plants outside and inside, right? So. And if you're just putting it on the soil, I'll usually just sprinkle it, so there's just a nice layer of alfalfa pellets on the top of the soil. Yep. Okay, so it it will get down into them then, oh, yeah. just putting it on the soil. Yep. Yeah. And uh, is that alfalfa pellet tea is good for everything, all kinds of plants? Any kind of plants, evergreens, trees, house plants, vegetables, doesn't okay. matter. All right, then. Okay. Uh, I'll try that. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank Lorraine. Bye-bye. I know. Good day. Uh, we have Kathy in Saskatoon on the line. Good morning, Kathy. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Um, I have hydrangeas. I have the ever-blooming ones, and um, I've been putting aluminum sulfate around them to turn them blue. But what I'm wondering, I have a bunch of other ones, too, um, like strawberry, sundae, and little lime and those. And I am wondering if I put some aluminum sulfate around them, will I get a more intense color? Yeah, you you will. I mean, obviously the white ones you won't, but the strawberry ones, they turn on sort of an very pinky reddish color in the fall, right? Right. Sort of different. Yes, you will get, and it also will make the plant hardier for the wintertime as well. Okay, and okay. then how often should I put that on? Every time you fertilize. Just put a couple tablespoons around every time you fertilize. Okay, now I was told that you only should fertilize them once in the spring. No, you can fertilize. They, they bloom on new wood, right? 
So okay. I, I, I fertilize, <laughs> I put in fertilizer probably three times on my hydrangeas already this year. About every every two, yep. every three weeks. Yeah, every three weeks. Oh, slots. Every, every three, three weeks. Yeah, even if you want to go every once a month, and then you do it only for May, June, July, and that's it. And you quit. Okay, so I can put aluminum sulfate around them now. Yep. Just a couple um, table, just a couple tablespoons around them. That's just enough to just to stop help, help lowering the pH. Uh, depending what part of the city, depending where you live, you, uh, whereabouts are you from? Uh, Saskatoon. Saskatoon. So in even Montana area. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, in the spring, our pH of our water is up between eight and eight point three. So even our water has high pH, right? So we're more of an alkaline soil. Yeah. And so uh, it won't hurt to put the aluminum sulfate around your plants. It'll make them perform way better. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Can I just ask one more quick question? For sure. Absolutely. I have my, a couple of hybrid roses, tea roses, yep. and I noticed like they're nice and tall and blooming, but something is eating them from the ground up. Would that be slugs, do you think? It could be slugs or it could be a caterpillar. Um, uh, we also, you won't see it from the ground up, but you also right now I'm hearing people saying the leaf cutter bees are taking little round circles out of their rose leaves. Okay. Okay. And you'll see little half moon circles taken out, but I mean, those are leaf cutter bees and they're good pollinators. They're, good they're pollinators. okay. They're okay. You don't want it. It's not going to hurt the tree, the plants. So just leave it, you know, like that. Yeah. I know something just stripping the leaves right from the ground up. Yeah. So. You, you probably have a, a, a little, like a hornworm or some kind of a, it's a bigger caterpillar. Okay. That, you'll probably see little round droppings on the ground at the base of the plant. And then you, there's only a couple of them there, so you can just pick them. You don't have to spray, right? Okay. And so you'll see them. They're a little bigger caterpillar, and they usually don't have fuzz on them. They're just, they're like a like a lime green or and they're oh, smooth okay. skin. Okay, I've seen oh, yeah. one of those. Okay. They're big fat ones, They're right? big fat ones. Yeah. That's probably what you got in there. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. Uh, we have a couple texts we can get to before we take our news break. Uh, this one is coming from Daryl in Saskatoon. Thunderchild crab tree lifespan. We have a massive thunderchild crab, guessing about 40 years. Uh, that's the age of the house, but the neighborhood is older. How many years can we reasonably expect it to live? A thunderchild can live for a long time. I mean, I've seen, there's been some flowering crabs in Saskatoon along Taylor Street. have been there since... I can never remember I was a child, right? And so, uh, you know, they'll live for long, probably probably anywhere from 50 to 75 years easy. Okay. Uh, especially Thunderchild because Thunderchild is, is, is fire blight resistant. Okay. It's the only one of the flowering crabs that is more resistant. And the only thing people like about the new flowering crabs is that the fruit isn't quite as big, right? Okay. So you don't have the mess, you know, out yeah. in the fall. But Thunderchild have pretty big crabs. But it is the one that you won't, it, it resists the, the, the fire blight of killing the flower, other flowering crabs or apple trees and mm-hmm. mountain ashes or contoniaster. This one won't get fire blight. And so that's what's, it was developed here at the University of Saskatchewan. So uh, it's a good local so plant. So it's a good local plant that is, that is developed here in, Susca- in Saskatchewan. And, uh, and it's a great plant, great color, great flowers. Uh, but it, it will live for a long, long time. Now, a question for you is yep. if we have an older neighborhood and you have some of these trees that are getting up in age, when is a good time to start thinking about replacing or succession or, planning? So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because they take so much longer. And if you just wait till it, it dies, then you're going to have like this blank space in yeah. your yard. But at the same time, when they're so big, 
um, you don't have enough sunlight to maybe get a new one going or space to get a new one going. Yep. So what's the process in, yep. in doing that? That's tougher, especially to get some of the big trees. Like yeah. You see the city doing that quite a bit in a lot of the areas where they got an open space yep. and they're planting another variety of tree because it might be in the monks a whole row of elm trees. Yeah. Well, eventually the elms or a whole bunch of ash trees, eventually they're going to die, right? Whether these insects come through or disease come through. And so you want succession planning to happen, you know, so what you can do is just plant a different tree. Like, yeah, it will grow slower because it's shady and everything else, mm. but it still will grow. Yeah. And so when it does happen to be able to, and and putting in a space where it can grow up, yeah. you know, and, and have the space to grow too. Um, so, yeah, you can do a lot of succession planting in a lot of yards. There's always a space in a different type of tree. It might be, maybe you have a narrow spot and maybe you want to put uh, a Dakota Pinnacle Birch, which is only nine feet t- wide, yeah. right? 30 feet high, or uh, or, a, or a Parkland Pillar Birch, which is only six feet wide. Uh, we have some texts waiting on the line here, but it's a good time to call. Uh, no lineup on the uh, call part of the screen. So we'll start off with uh, Brenda in Saskatoon. Can I divide and move a Virginia creeper vine in the fall, or should it be done in the spring? Either one. Either one's good. Yep, that one's fine. Yeah, it'll do just fine either spring or fall. Just wait till it's. Are you, know, you wanting to move it or divide it? Which is best? Um, you can do both. Okay. Yeah, whatever you want to do, and wait till the leaves in the fall turn red. Okay. Like the Virginia creeper will turn red color. So wait mm-hmm. till it turns red. Once it turns red, then you can move it. And then mulch it well. And mulch it well. Yep. All right, easy enough. Um, this one coming from Tracy, also in Saskatoon. Uh, I missed when you recommended cutting down spireas. Is it a fall or spring project? Either one. Either one again. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I like in, I like in, the only reason I like spring for is because with all those branches up there, it catches lots of snow. Okay. Right? And so it acts like a snow fence and so it protects the plant in case, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's the big one. That's why I like doing it best in the spring. And I do it just as soon as, the next day after the snow, it just melts around them. Okay. Right away. Trim, trim them as soon as possible before they start budding out again. Okay. Um, this one is coming from Pat in Saskatoon. Uh, it says, a friend's garden was trampled by a herd of cattle. Uh, what Oops. can be replanted? <laughs> Tough gar- break. <laughs> the garden? Yes. Yeah, you, you, you might be able to go to some garden centers. There's some larger, like you can get some two-gallon tomato plants. Yep. Um, you can get some cucumbers that might be trellised already. Throw okay. those in there. Um, lettuce, uh, you can definitely reseed some of that. A- absolutely. And you'll get lettuce. You'll get any of your herbs. Um, even some things that are quick growing, like maybe even some um, some beets. Uh, you might be able to get some beets and radishes. It's, be, it's a little bit late for those. Some, they'll be smaller, but um, um, But the, the radishes, other thing, yeah. too, is uh, pick up some row cover or some frost blankets okay. as well and throw those over top of your, your garden, especially later in the season. And then you can prolong your season you that way. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the other thing you can do is fill up some... Um, pop bottles or two liter bottles or milk jugs with water mm-hmm. and stick them underneath that frost blanket and then the sun's going to heat them up during the day and then they'll um, they'll keep everything a little bit warmer this, under that this blanket. extends September. Yeah. You know, because you, you're, so you, you do that later days. on in the season and then that extends the season for you. Keeps them a little bit warmer at night and okay. then you can uh, sort of have a little bit longer crops there. Kind of trick it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one is coming from Lori in Ryston. I purchased two hibiscus trees this summer. One is doing great. The other, the leaves are turning yellow and the flowers are smaller. Is there something that I'm doing wrong? It sounds like it actually might have a uh, spider mite. Okay. Um, and spider mite is going rampant everywhere right now. Um, with the heat, you, you have it on a lot of your evergreens and you have it on a lot of your trees and then it loves the tropical plants. Um, you'll usually see yellowing on the leaves. It also sort of on the underside of the leaves, you'll see 
really tiny um, webbing. Okay. Um, there's a product called Bug X Out, I believe is what yep. it's called. Yep. Um, you outdoors. Can, it's for outdoors. You see, you bring the plant outside and you spray it on that. You can also use Endol as well too. Um, that you can use indoors. You can use that indoors or outdoors. Yep. Uh, with Endol, you're going to be spraying every 10 days the Bug X Out. You'll spray once and then I'd probably do the additional sprays with Endol. Now, even okay. though you have two plants, also sometimes yellow leaves means you've either been overwatering or underwatering. Okay. So it all depends on the soil, type of soil you got in the pot and also depends on your drainage of the pot and everything else. Okay? I have a container on either side of my garage. Um, water them what I thought. I, I water them exactly the same because they're in the same <laughs> spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to water one half as much as the other just because oh. of the way the wind comes around the house. So okay. um, they're, they're only sitting 15 feet apart, but I water them completely different. They'll tell you what they need. Yeah. All right. We have uh, Paul waiting on the line for us in Saskatoon. Hi there, Paul. What's your question for Rick and Jill today? Oh, good morning. good morning. Um, I got a little hint on the, uh, um, grasshoppers. Perfect. Oh, okay, perfect. Perfect. Uh, bird bats. Yep. Oh, I've yeah. got three bird bats in my yard. Now, here's a big mistake a lot of people make. They're putting, they're putting that chlorine, they're not letting their water sit. Okay. And the birds don't want that chlorine water. Mm-hmm. It's the same water that you water your, garden with right you want to let it sit for a day or so and let that evaporate and uh they're hunters those are the robins they're ferocious hunters yep and the babies are out now and the parents are showing them how to hunt and i'm telling you i just cut my grass i didn't see a grasshopper Perfect. Well, we we've talked about that lots of times putting bird bass you want to have less uh less aphids less any Everything. kind of insects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let people had people that do worms, you know, just put some bird bass out, get the robins to come in. And even in my place there, I got some little birdhouses around and I, little wrens have taken residence and they're just jumping from branch to branch to branch. And you know, you know that they're eating all the aphids. So mm-hmm. it's perfect. I know. And I got one that goes through the tomato plants, snagged one of those big worms, you know, the big green worms with yeah. the horn on the head. Yep. Grabbed one of those, boy, you didn't even know what to do. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Perfect. But I, I got a I got a beet issue here. I've okay. got um, a 10-foot raised bed, and I got two rows of beets. Half are very luscious, and the other half aren't doing so good. But it's kind of early in the season, too, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a bit early in the season yet. Um, yeah, you're not going to see beets usually until August, right? Oh, okay. And, and so uh, it's early in the season, but, you know, same soil throughout the whole bed? Yeah. Same light from one end to the other? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that they're, that they're, um, that they're being so different. Is irrigation's the same all the way down? It's the same. I base water everything. Yeah, you know, it, it's, fun- the- it's funny that one end it must have something to do with sunlight or something like that that's... That, for one reason, you know, maybe certain part time of the day, a, a tree is shading it or something like that. that sometimes, is- if they're in a, are they in a raised bed at all? Yes. Okay, so sometimes when they're when they don't like high soil temperatures when they're starting to germinate. So sometimes you'll find the side closest to the edge, um, or closest to like maybe a fence where they, there's there's some, some heat radiating um, that. The seed won't germinate as well in those areas with the highest soil temperatures too. So that's a little. 
Okay. Little sing with the beats as well. Well, now that you're saying that, you know, that one half that isn't doing as good, it gets the first part of the sun of the day. Okay, there you go. And as the sun gets up, then it, it gets to the other part. So that's the only thing that I can really think of if it's just like a little bit of a row that's like yeah. it's stunted a little bit there. So Yeah, I, I, I pulled a couple to see if they might have a, a larvae or a maggot or something, but there's nothing. No, they're nope. just... Nope. It has, it's just small. No, it's environmental, so it's, it depends on just, the, like I said, the sun comes... There's always something... The way the sun's hitting it or the soil temperature or something like that. Yep. Yeah. So I just just want to, like, say again, let your water sit for, like, a day or whatever, and then fill up your your bird baths. Or use your rain barrel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And, like, my bird bath's been busy all morning, all morning. Perfect. Bathing, hunting. Oh, it's it's awesome. It's like a buffet for them. It is. It is. The wrens even use my. I have watering bowls on different parts around the yard, especially on the yeah. north side of the house. And the little wrens are always at my dog's watering bowl. <laughs> <laughs> so they attract the the birds. Love it. So they they need it. You know. And if nothing else works, I I, I think they're eating grasshoppers now. Absolutely. The birds will eat. The birds will definitely no, people, eat. People are eating. Oh, yeah. They yeah. eat them, too. Yeah. I guess fried fried grasshoppers, right? There you go. Protein's protein, I yeah. guess. Protein's protein. Mm, I'll stay away from that one. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. the same as apple bag. It's the same thing I, I would so. say. It's all protein. Oh, that's right. You guys have a great day. Okay. You, you too. too. Bye. Bye now. Good morning, Don. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Good morning. Um, we have neighbors who have towering poplars. We live in an urban center, and um, unfortunately, we have suckers coming up all over our yard. Yep. And um, it's becoming like hard to garden and do anything because they're they're like killing mm-hmm. our perennials and stuff like that. So, just wondering if there's any tips or hints that we can do yep. to deal with that. Yeah, dig a trench at, just inside the property line area, right? Mm-hmm. Down about. Best go around if you can around sixteen, eighteen inches deep, and then okay. put it, put a barrier in that trench. Like take some landscape, landscape fabric like and double, fold it in half. Double it up like a Pro Five, which is a twenty-year cycle uh, landscape fabric. Put it in double layer. Put it vertical so it sticks out of the soil just a little bit, okay. and and then that'll keep the roots from coming through again. Okay, and okay. then once you've cut, once you've made that sever from the other from the mother plants. Now you can go and take some Roundup and just give it a spritz on the leaves of the, of the suckers, and that okay. will that will kill the roots out. Oh. Okay. okay. But you That's have to sad. sever you have to sever it from the other tree, otherwise. And then once you sever it, you're going to have even more suckers come up. But you just give them just you don't have to go die die die. You know, just a little spritz. That's all you need. Just a little spritz on it, and it'll kill that sucker out. Okay. Okay. Good. And, 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 if you, and if they're amongst other plants and perennials, yeah, just, they are just, right now. Just, just take a foam brush and paint it on the leaves. Okay. Okay. Great. There you go. We'll try that. Thank okay. you very much. Yep. Thanks, Don. Yep. Bye bye. All right, we can do a bit of a rapid fire on the text line here. Uh, this one, Carla from Moose Jaw. Is it too late to cut back my lilacs, and will I get blooms for next year? Yeah, you can still trim them back right now. we still got some growth to carry. Just a, just a light pruning, right? Okay. Especially deadhead, all those old flower heads off and give it a bit of pruning. Give it a shot of fertilizer, like a 30-10-10 to get some growth happening. You can still do, like, we're still in the middle of July, so yeah. you're still okay yet. And get some growth, and on that new growth, next year you'll get all the new blooms. Okay. But you got to do it soon. Okay. 
Um, this one coming from Les in Corning. Our calla lily has a good growth, but has yet to bloom this year. Am I doing something wrong? It was probably planted. We had the same problem. Ours are smaller. And I think we planned there. We planted them too this deep. This is a calla lily, not a canna. Oh, oh she's, she's calla, but calla. So it could be still planted too deep. Yeah. Okay. If they're smaller, the bulb might have been planted a little bit too deep because they don't need to be planted very deep. Uh, and because the callas take a little bit longer to bloom too, yep. so okay. um, might just want to be a little bit patient on that. Um, but there's summer bulbs. Summer bulbs, hardy bulbs like lilies need to be planted a bit deeper, like four to six inches at least. Mm-hmm. But the summer bulbs, you can put them fairly close to the surface, and because you're going to be bringing them up every year anyways into okay. the house. And with my dahlias, my cannas, my callas, I will start the bulb in the house usually around March, and then start them in a pot, and then transplant them out into the garden, and you'll get it blooming a lot earlier and, and in the plant season. Them, and plant them with bone meal mm-hmm. when okay. you plant them in the garden. Yeah, give them a little extra food. Um, This one is from Diane in Saskatoon. I have a mini hydrangea and it's covered with maple bugs. I can't even see the leaves. Is this going to damage the plant? Maple bugs tend to not do a whole lot of damage. They just tend to be there. Yeah. Uh, But if you want to, without spraying the flowers, you can hit the leaves. You can just hit them with uh, just, they die really easy. Take a hose and just go blast it. Sometimes you can just blast them with cold water. That's enough to injure them. Okay. They're a fairly soft body. You can put some diatomaceous earth. You can can actually, if you want, you can just spritz the leaves, not the flowers, but the leaves. Okay. And and then with some water and then sprinkle some diatomaceous earth. Try uh, the cinnamon. I'm interested yeah. to see if or that works. Try the cinnamon. That might even work as <laughs> you know? well to keep them away. Let's try that. Yeah. Or you can use endol on, on the leaves as well. That has a bit of pyrethrin in it, which will which will affect their nervous system, and they're they're easy yeah. to kill. They're honestly okay. Um, they're they're everywhere, but usually you can kind of get them to move somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> Um, this one is coming from Jen in Saskatoon. We have some fruit trees in pots wanting to plant or waiting to plant. The apple trees have leaves that are curling and drying up. We water almost daily. Why is this happening? And do we have to wait until the fall to plant them? No, we'll plant right away. Get them in the ground. Okay. You know, people think that you only plant in spring and fall. Mm-hmm. If they're in containers, you can plant all summer long. Okay. So that's one thing. Garden centers, uh, usually the main garden centers, I mean, you see all the, the temporary garden centers, so the grocery stores are all closed down now. Yeah. But the garden centers still have lots of plants that are in containers, and you can plant them all summer long. The key is you just can't plant one and go away for two weeks on holidays. Yeah, you got to have somebody watering them, obviously. Just yeah, but get attention. them in the ground; it's going to thrive a lot yeah. better. And they'll get still get lots of more rooting for the winter time. So do it right now. the The problem is that you're probably going wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, and then you're going to get the curling. You get the okay. stress, and that's probably what's happening in the pot because they obviously dry out way easier with all those leaves. And the sun hitting them, they just suck the, the moisture out of that root ball. Dig your hole uh, one and a half times the size of the width of the pot, the same okay. depth that it is, plant it at that level, keep that that soil moist but not overly wet, yep. and you will be fine. Should be good to go. All right, uh, and this one is uh, old oat grass center killed by an ant. Can it be divided? Five-year-old Rosa, wow, this one, bear with me here, <laughs> Rubrifolia? Rubifolia. Oh, there we go. Close. Yep. Uh, had few flowers. Uh, new growth is reddish and long. Okay, so they have a oat grass that they want to divide that yes. the, the center has gotten dead out of. So you definitely can do that. Okay. Um, you're best to divide them in the early spring if you okay. can. But if you want to do it right now, you can you can do that. But make sure you mulch it well for the winter season. Okay. And was the second one a different question? Uh, yeah, this, this one. The, the Ragosa roses uh, yeah. is a, probably a purple leaf rose. Because they're long and purple, she said. 
So there's different varieties of them right there. And so then what you need to do is you can actually give them a little bit of uh, tip pruning. Okay. And that'll get it to branch out some more. And then give them one last fertilizing right now, too. Uh, use a rose fertilizer or 20-20-20-30-10-10, whatever you have. Just one last fertilizing, and then that'll help to get it to bush out some more, too. All right. And uh, that almost takes us to the end. Um, well, I think we can get to this one before uh, before we have to finish up. Nathan and Estevan, can I prevent birds from robbing my Saskatoon berries, plums, and cherries? I've tried a ton of tactics, including having constant movement with pinwheels. You could put netting over top of them. Yeah, there's a bird netting. It, okay. Pretty much, if, if you, especially if you got things like uh, the hascaps, which bloom with fruit in June, mm-hmm. sastoons in July, and sour cherries in August. Yeah. So you, can, you can take one set of, of bird netting and move it to different plants as they get and ready. And if you're finding the netting's not working, you can use that uh, that frost blanket as well, too. That will work. It's, yep. a, it's a white uh, kind of see-through, and it will allow the sun to get through, but it will keep the, the yep. birds off. But you have to maybe go right to the ground, because otherwise you don't want a bird getting caught underneath it. Right. Okay. So, all right. Important. Lots of uh, lots of things to try for the next week, and then we'll be back uh, next Sunday with more garden talk. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME.